Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. Has your life been changed by inductive Bible study? Why not invite someone to learn the inductive method by taking part in one of our many workshops happening across Canada? Interested in hosting a workshop in your church? Contact our events team today by emailing training at preceptministries.ca and bring the transforming power of God's Word to your community. David and Kay Arthur are coming to Brantford, Ontario this September. We want to invite you to join us at Central Baptist Church on September 6th and 7th for a two-day conference that you won't want to miss. David and Kay will be bringing a timely message on holding fast through suffering and trials using the book of 1 Peter. Registration is open and tickets are going fast. The cost for this conference is only $79 and with a limited number of seats available, you will want to register soon. Register online on our website or by calling our office. Coming up on March 4th to 8th at the Precept Canada Training Centre in Brantford, we will be hosting our study program called Rebuilding the Temple. Join us as we study through the Precept Upon Precept study on Ezra and Haggai and experience what it is like when God places His hand on the lives of His people to prove He is the promise-keeping God. Each day of the study program, we will begin with a time of prayer, have a discussion based on the lesson, and a video lecture. For more information and to register for any of these workshops, head over to our website at www.preceptministries.ca or give us a call at 877-234-2030. Now stay tuned for episode four of the Covenant Podcast. Hello everyone, Mark Sheldrake here with Derek K. Mink. This is Unlocking the Truth Podcast, week number four of Covenant. But if you are following along in your homework, it's lesson three of the uh, Precept Upon Precept book. Good to be back, Derek. It's been a while since we've, uh, since we've recorded. We've been pretty busy here. We had our big conference in Abbotsford, and so we've had, uh, had a bit of a break. I actually uh, was going to talk about that really quickly about Abbotsford, because uh, really encouraging to mm-hmm. hear all the people who were talking about um, what they're learning from the podcast, and how it's been blessing them to be listening to the podcast, how they're being equipped, mm-hmm. especially on the topic of covenant, yeah. which is great covenant we've talked about as not being taught very often within the churches. Yeah. Um, and so we thought we would cover it in our podcast because of its vital importance. So uh, why don't you pray, sure. and then we'll review. Almighty uh, gracious God, we are so grateful for the opportunity that we have to study your word. And uh, we thank you for all those who are listening, who are studying along with us. Uh, I pray that their, their study has been fruitful, that you are faithful in revealing your truth to them as they are faithful to study. And, uh, and as uh, Mark and I sort of uh, continue to discuss the truths that, that we see in the Word, uh, we thank you again just for the opportunity we have to, uh, to be here with one another, uh, to be able to record this podcast uh, for people out there to listen to, and we thank you so much for your word and uh, for these amazing things like covenant that uh, that just sort of hold it all together. Um, it's so amazing to see how your word fits together and works so perfectly. 
Uh, so I ask that you'll be with us here in this time. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. So covenant is a binding agreement, usually um, symbolized in the Bible case mm -hmm. is by cutting of flesh. The passing between two pieces. Passing yeah. between two pieces. Covenant can be instituted by God with men. Mm -hmm. It can also be instituted with uh, man uh, in with each other. Mm -hmm. And then we saw that. We saw gov uh, covenant with uh, God and Abraham over yeah. the last couple weeks. We've also seen how Jonathan and David um, made the covenant and by passing the robes mm -hmm. and the armor and the sword and the weapons over. And that was the interesting part because we came up with that uh, um, statement to become one. That's right, yeah. Identifying uh, with each other mm -hmm. and also how we put on, um, as Galatians said, put on Jesus. And that means, you know, that we then through baptism, uh, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, mm -hmm. we now identify with Jesus. Therefore, we are no longer ourselves. We are um, children of God. Yeah. So we die to self. We, we are raised with Christ. And that's where we get. So uh, we want to look at what one of the benefits mm -hmm. are of that identification with Jesus or identification with God being called a child of God. Yeah. And we've got to go back to Jonathan and David to look at uh, just a little bit more. So 1 Samuel uh, chapter 18 is where uh, that starts out. And we are re just reminding each other that David uh, and Jonathan didn't really know each other too much, but... Uh, he ended up falling, um, you know, I don't want to say in love, mm -hmm. but he had a um, real desire to uh, ask David, Jonathan did, yeah. to, to come into covenant because of the respect that they had for each other. Mm -hmm. And then the symbolization of that covenant was when they um, passed the robe yeah, over exchange of the robes. Yeah. The exchanging of the robes. And then we see in verse 4 and uh, four of chapter 18, Jonathan strips himself of the robe that was on him, gave it to David, wait, with his armor, mm -hmm. including the sword and his bow and his belt. And so this week, we want to look closer at the armor... Yeah. And the weaponry that uh, was passed from one to another. Mm -hmm. So let's kind of break this down a little bit. And what do you think then, Derek, is the significance of passing of that armor and that weaponry? Well, the, the beautiful thing about this covenant is it's not spelled out for you. Um, like the covenant with Abraham... And God, God said, here's what I'm going to do for you. And he laid out all of the things that he was going to do. Um, this, this is a, a picture. This is a covenant that is um, dripping with symbolism. So we saw that first symbol of the passing of the robe, the exchanging of the robe, um, was about identifying with. Um, and now we kind of look at what is it that um, armor is used for? What is it that weapons uh, are used for? Uh, and we see in the armor 
that armor is used as a way to protect yourself, to defend yourself, to make sure that, um, that when you enter into battle, that you are protected as you go into battle. Uh, and so what is being, what we can see is being symbolized here is that what Jonathan is saying, he says that I am going to defend you, that I will protect you um, as my covenant partner. Uh, and we see examples of that going forward of, um, of times when, uh, when Saul has these plans, these designs to end David's life, and, uh, and Jonathan defends David not only to his father, but also goes to David to warn him about, uh, about this impending plan that his father has. This is absolutely amazing, because if you think about Jonathan, Jonathan was the... Uh, king's son. So he was the heir to the throne. Mm -hmm. And what we know in this covenant is this covenant was a stronger bond than that of the family relationship in itself. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 1. Now Saul told Jonathan, his son, and all his servants to put David to death. But Jonathan's son Saul greatly delighted in David. Jonathan told David, saying, My father is seeking to put you to death. Now therefore, be on guard in the morning and stay in a secret place and hide yourself. I'll go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father about you. If I find out anything, I will tell you. Can you think about that for a moment mm -hmm. and the absolute betrayal really, yeah. that would come from your son, the heir to the throne, telling your enemy yeah. the plan before it happens. To end his life, yeah. So David, go and hide. Our covenant is so strong between each other. I'm willing to disobey my father and mm -hmm. go against my family relationship and put you first. Right. What? That is absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible how um, how how Jonathan understands his position. He's deferring um, his place as prince of Israel um, and placing it on David. And yeah, he he undermines his his father. First of all, the king, and secondly, his father. His attempts to uh, to get rid of. Uh, of David, who is becoming an enemy of Saul, not because of anything that David does, but because of uh, because of Saul's uh, Saul's own issues. Think about that, because what in this covenant? What are you, what would you be willing if you were in a covenant with somebody? Mm -hmm. What would you be willing to sacrifice to make sure that that covenant was held and that the person on the other end of that covenant was completely protected? Mm -hmm. Because in this case, Jonathan is willing to give up all um, position yeah. in being heir to the throne. He's ready to give it up mm -hmm. for, for David. That's, that's a huge sacrifice yeah. that's being made there. Yeah, we can see uh, Jonathan uh, in two things. He's taking his, his covenant oath very seriously, um, but he's not just doing it because he's obligated to. He's doing it because of uh, the love that he has for David. Yeah, it's amazing. And if you keep reading through, 
uh, 18, 19, and 20, you will see over and over how Jonathan kept up his end of the covenant. Mm -hmm. Now, the great part is that as we continue to study through the covenant, we're going to see that this covenant between Jonathan and David, it extends well beyond um, just the two of them and into the family. Mm -hmm. And so what I love about that is I wanted to look at Psalm uh, 108 because when it talks about family, mm -hmm. we come to the point where we're children of God. We are in covenant with God through um, Abraham and through Jesus Christ. So what did God say in Psalm 105, 8 to 15 that tells us more about this covenant position and really for those who come up against those who are in covenant. Any enemy attempting to come after a um, person in covenant, what will the result be? So let's look at Psalm 108, 105. 105, uh, starting at verse 8, he says, um, He has remembered his covenant forever. That's God has remembered his covenant forever the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and, and his oath to Isaac. Then he confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel as an everlasting co covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as the portion of your inheritance. When they were only a few men in number, very few and strangers in it, and they wandered from about from nation to nation, from one kingdom to to another people, he permitted no man to oppress them, and he reproved kings for their sakes. Do not touch my anointed ones, and do and do my prophets no harm. Is that I mean, what stands out for me in these verses is right at the end, verse fifteen. Mm -hmm. Do not touch my anointed ones. Mm -hmm. Who are my anointed ones? My anointed ones are the ones who I am in covenant with. Yeah. So if you're an enemy of my anointed ones. Don't touch him yeah. because you're going to get taken out. Mm -hmm. And that's God protecting. Just like when those weapons were passed between and the armor, yeah. it's a promise of protection yeah. that's coming. So God's promising to protect. This is character of God's stuff mm -hmm. that we're learning about. He, he's promising to protect his anointed ones. Which brings me to this point. When I was in youth group a number of years ago, I'm not mentioning the number of years. I went to a concert yeah. with a band called Petra. You've never heard of them. You've never heard of Petra? <laughs> I'm just joking. I, I'm not that old. But. <laughs> I also used to sing this song in church all the time, which was a chorus. And uh, it's called, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to read a couple of the lyrics from, from it because this is what we're talking about. In heavenly armor will enter the land, the battle belongs to the Lord. No weapon that's fashioned against us will stand, the battle belongs to the Lord. The power of darkness comes in like a flood, but the power or the battle belongs to the Lord. He's raised up a standard, the power of his blood, the battle belongs to the Lord. Wait, this is the best one. When your enemy presses in hard, do not fear, the battle belongs to the Lord. Take courage, my friend. Your redemption is near. The battle belongs to the Lord. I actually can hear Petra <laughs> singing that right now. But this is the thing. The battle, when you are 
in covenant with God is all his. Mm -hmm. It makes me think about um, Jehoshaphat and when the armies were coming against him in, in the book of uh, Kings. And he said, Lord, we don't know what to do, mm -hmm. but we're just going to keep our eyes on you. And the Lord fought the battle. That's right. So, you know, we need to learn from this very thing. I think about the book of Acts as well mm -hmm. and Paul, but back when Paul had another name. Yeah. And when he was persecuting the church, like you have to think about the, the miracle that happened on the road to Damascus. Yeah. The greatest persecutor and enemy of Jesus mm -hmm. was Saul. Yeah. And what did he do? He converted him on that road yeah. and made him become the greatest advocate for Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So those who are against the believer, yeah. who are enemies of the believer, are also enemies of the Lord. Yeah, and it's it's so hard sometimes. I mean, we, we live in a world that uh, that loves to attack us, and it's so hard not to fight back. Um, it's, it's so easy to, uh, you know, to fire shots back. And the problem is, is that they never, they never come out right. We end up saying things that, that aren't really, uh, Christian things to say. Uh, and we end up, um, looking worse than if we had just said nothing. Um, what we need to remember is that, um, yeah, people are going to attack us. And that's a promise from Jesus that as disciples, people are going to hate us. And the, the apostles, they reveled in it. They loved it. They rejoiced uh, when they got to experience persecution because they knew that meant that, that they were doing what God has called them to do. Um, and so our responsibility is not to fight those battles. Our responsibility is to keep our eyes on our holy God and understand that uh, that like Petra says, the battle belongs to him, then he will go on our behalf and he will protect us and he will defend us. It's so hard, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Because our flesh, when we know that we're under attack, the first thing we want to do is we want to attack back. Yeah. Do you know where this is most visible? Facebook. Facebook <laughs> and social media. Yeah. And it's very funny that you can post something on these websites mm -hmm. and under the anonymity, you know, being anonymous of say 160 characters on Twitter or yeah. whatever on Facebook without being in face-to-face -face contact, you can get into a battle mm -hmm. over whatever the case may be. The majority of times right now, it's all on politics. Yeah. You, you say something, you post something, Somebody's immediately in your face yeah. with something negative, which so proves that they're an, en an enemy of your thought process, yeah. and your automatic response is to get into a full-out battle yeah. with that. And then you think through, well, what does my testimony say mm -hmm. as I'm battling through this process, or should I just let it go? Yeah. And that's kind of one of the things that I don't really even use those platforms anymore, maybe just check things out, because... Yeah. The temptation is there to just fire back, yeah. and then that's out there for everybody to see. Mm -hmm. And we as believers, we're we're doing that. We're, yeah. we're firing back on things that you know maybe not even are 
biblical mm -hmm. or what we should be within the light of, of uh, Christianity. Yeah. And so we've got to think through the battle mm -hmm. and how it belongs to the Lord. Yeah. First, uh, Second Thessalonians uh, chapter uh, 1 talks about how this is a battle that belongs to the Lord. And what does it say? Second uh, Thessalonians 1, starting at verse 3. Paul says, uh, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged, and the love uh, of each one of you toward one another grows ever greater. <clears throat> Therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering. For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who believed for our testimony to you was believed. This is incredible truth that, that Paul is, is encouraging uh, this church with. They're going through persecution. They are being afflicted. Um, they are being attacked for what it is that they believe. And the words that Paul says is that this is a plain, this is an obvious indication. This is a sign of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering. Um, it's only just that God repay affliction, those who afflict you. The battle belongs to the Lord. Those people who rise up against us, those people who try and tear us down, who try and um, make us feel as though we are foolish for believing in the gospel, uh, and maybe even worse than foolish, that we are uh, wrong, that we're bad, that we are evil people because we believe in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says that those people who are afflicting you, God will repay them for their affliction. It is God who um, will bring his mighty angels and his flaming fire. It is God who deals out retribution. It is not for us. It is not for us to repay those who afflict us with affliction. It is for God to do. What I love about this passage from Paul is, if you think about it this way, if you have an enemy that's coming up against you and you know that they're pressing you in from all sides, you know, the pressure is there, you're feeling the intensity, you can cut the tension with a knife because the enemy is, uh, you know, this individual is attacking you, persecuting you, maybe questioning your character, whatever the case may be. And your first instinct is, oh, I want retribution. I want to go back at them. It's like, this is my best analogy that I can give you, is that moment in time, 
you want to get retribution for what somebody said to you is get on an airplane and fly 35,000 feet in the air. And when you're 35,000 feet in the air, look down on the problem and realize that God is going to take care of it. What that does is when you think to you moving yourself out of the problem, it gives you an eternal perspective mm -hmm. of the problem that's surrounding you. And you can't get that um, eternal perspective until you remove yourself from the center of it mm -hmm. and allow yourself to keep your eyes focused on on the Lord and the fact that the Lord will take care of this. Yeah. And I remember sitting with uh, Tom and Jane Hart and um, one of our staff members had uh, some pressure, you know, mm -hmm. an enemy coming up against them and questioning their character and, and really putting a lot of intense heat on mm -hmm. that individual. And I just remember the prayer that Jane um, shared with us and as a staff, and it was, Father, remove us from this, mm -hmm. give us an eternal perspective, and take care of that person. Yeah. You know, you deal with it, God. Yeah. And uh, that individual that uh, what we were praying for was able to just walk out relieved, mm -hmm. knowing that, okay, I don't have to do anything in response. Yeah. I don't have to act out, lash out, um, justify my character or anything like that in that sense that I need to speak back. But I just need to let, I just need to know that God has got this. Yeah. I need to know that God is in complete control. Yeah. But there is a response for the believer. Mm -hmm. And and we before we kind of wrap up, we need to know and we need to discuss what our our response should be to our enemies. Mm -hmm. And Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 14 and uh, 17 to 21 is what we want to look at. Romans chapter 12, verse 14 says, Bless uh, those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Wait, hold on. That doesn't sound right. This this says that I need to that that people who are persecuting me and who are my enemy they need to be blessed. Uh, verses seventeen to twenty one. Oh no, maybe I don't want to maybe I don't <laughs> want to read this one because uh, Paul gives us another instruction: never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If it's possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Mm. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed... What? No. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Mm -hmm. And if he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, every time I read that passage in Romans chapter 12, I think back to the very first season of Survivor. Yeah. And there was uh, Richard Hatch. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if everybody listening on here was a Survivor fan, but I love... I took social sociology in, in yeah, university. Yeah, So I love watching the movement of people. But in that very first episode uh, that year, that season of survival, uh, they had speeches mm -hmm. that they had to do with the people at the end. Richard Hatch was one of the possible, he actually won it, but he was sitting there and he was being questioned by the jury. Mm -hmm. And there was a woman, and I'm never going to forget her name. Her name was Sue. She was the truck driver on the, 
on the uh, survivor, and she said, right to Richard Hatt, she said, if you were in the desert and you were on the, on the sand mm -hmm. and you were dying of thirst, I would never give you a drink. Yeah. And that kind of just went out yeah. and was like the clip, yeah. you know, because it showed what people were willing to do and say for the million dollars. Mm -hmm. And that, that's been on for like 30 seasons or yeah, something. It never ends. It, it's the never ending show. But you know what? I can always point back to that comment mm -hmm. and think about those two were so much of enemies yeah. outside, no Christ with, in either one of them. Yeah. And yet that was the attitude of the world yeah. was that if you were dying of thirst in the desert, I wouldn't give you a drink. Yeah. And what we're being told in the scriptures is that if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Mm -hmm. If your enemy is hungry or thirsty, give him a drink. And Jesus even says in Matthew chapter 5, <clears throat> towards the end, he says, so you, so you love people who love you, so you're good to people who are good to you. He goes, big deal. Even the Gentiles do that. Even the tax collectors do that. Even the world does that. So for us, what is our responsibility to those who persecute us and afflict us? Jesus says, if you hate them, then you're no different than they are. And we've been called to be different, to be holy in an unholy world. So our responsibility to our enemies is not to repay them what they are giving us, but to bless them and to let God deal with them how God will deal with them. It's crazy. The, the Bible tells us we are to love our enemy. Mm -hmm. You know, I can sit here and I can be recording this and this can be on the internet yeah. and I'm and I can say you need to love your enemy but I'm telling you that is so easy to say yeah and very difficult to do for sure and so we have to kind of put prime examples into place of how can we um, actually fulfill that mm -hmm. of loving your enemy and I remember in public school, I remember Tom Stanley, like it was yesterday, mm. my enemy, he wanted to beat me up so bad in school. Yeah. And I don't even know why. He just wanted to fight me. And I used to avoid him like the plague. Mm -hmm. I would be so scared, so nervous. I was so worried about what would happen if I ever got in the same spot mm -hmm. as Tom Stanley. And I befriended him mm. and he got to know me and I got to know him and we hung out together. Yeah. We went roller skating at the same <laughs> place. You know, this is in the eighties. Yeah. But what a difference it made mm -hmm. because what was once my enemy, I made an effort and I, and I wasn't a Christian. Yeah. I made an effort to befriend him in the hopes that he would get to know me and I would get to know him mm -hmm. so that I wouldn't get beat up. Yeah. And isn't that the same as what Jesus is telling us? Yeah. Love your enemy, you know, do yeah. things that will show your love, uh, for them. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, even now I, I think about my daughter who is, she's eight years old and, uh, she's, she, 
she has this figured out even better than I do. Um, but she's, she is a problem kid in her class who bothers her and bullies her and she gets upset. She is only eight. Um, and so she'll say things like, oh man, I just, I wish that something bad would happen to him and I don't want to have to deal with him anymore. And then about 10 minutes later, she'll come back and say, that's not how God wants me to react to Mm -hmm. people. He wants me to, to love them and be nice to them. So she goes out of her way to be kind to this person who does not deserve her kindness. Uh, but she, sometimes she puts us to shame in some of the things that she understands about, um, about what it means to be uh, a follower of Jesus. So we kind of, as we wrap up, I think it's important for us as believers, we know we need to love our enemy, mm-hmm. but we also need to know who our enemy is. Yeah. And we want to look at a couple of passages that uh, talk about who our enemy is. And the first one is John chapter 15, uh, verses 12 to 25. And so let me read that for you. John chapter 15, verses 12 to 25. And I may not read them all, but you can go back and read them and listen. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Uh, Greater love has no, uh, no one than this, than the one who lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for a slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, that you would uh, remain so that whatever you ask of the father in my name, he may give to you. This is the command that you love one another. If the, here it is, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, um, the world hates you. Right there in that passage, we find out who our enemy is. Mm -hmm. The world is our enemy. And yet so often I see Christians that are trying to live like the world, Mm -hmm. to reach the world. Mm -hmm. But the world is our enemy. And it's uh, in First in First John, um, chapter two, it says, "Do not love the world nor the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, also its lust. But the one who does the will of the Father lives forever." I think we have two things that we're looking at here is what are what is our response to our enemies and what is our response to God's enemies. Um, and both of those are covered in our covenant with him, just like it is with uh, the covenant in, with Jonathan and David. Um, we let God take care of our enemies. Um, and our response to his enemies is that they are our enemies as well. And so we need to make sure that we are not we are not flirting with the enemies of God um, because there is no such thing as love of God and love of the world at the same time. Uh, it is one or the other. James uh, says it really nicely in, uh, in chapter 4 um, about what friendship with the world is. Yeah, it's hostility towards God. Mm-hmm. Now, the question that we have to go 
and we'll wrap up on this, is people might be listening and saying, hey, Mark, you just told me that I'm supposed to love my enemy. Mm -hmm. You also told me that my enemy is the world. So am I not supposed to love the world? <laughs> there is a drastic difference mm -hmm. between loving the world and loving your enemies. Mm -hmm. And so we need to know how to practice loving our enemies, but not loving the world. Mm -hmm. You know, I think part of that is that we don't, we want to continue to live a life as what the word of God tells us. Yeah. Live a life that brings honor and glory to Jesus Christ. If we love this world so much, we are not living out the characteristics of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. or what the Bible tells us to live and how to live within this world as yeah. aliens, as sojourners, as people who are only here temporarily. Mm -hmm. um, so don't love the things of the world. Right. But for that enemy... Love them to death to the point of they hopefully come to Jesus. Yeah, we show the world the love of Christ, um, but we don't love the things of this world because those are the things that, that take us away from God, that make, us, that make us his enemies. So there's one other aspect of this armor. He was given the uh, armor, mm -hmm. he was given the sword, and he was given the belt. Mm -hmm. And to wrap this up really quickly, the belt signifying, you know what it is? It reminds me of one verse used out of context way too often, mm. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And really, if you are studying with us in the precept upon precept study, you will have gone through a ton of cross-references where you will have seen that the belt is that sim symbolism or that reminder that everything we do is it within um, Christ's strength. Mm -hmm. We can't love our enemies without the strength of God yeah. working through us. We can't uh, separate ourselves from the world and not love the world without Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so uh, two important factors that come out of this is the battle belongs to the Lord. It's in his strength. And our goal and our job is to rely on him. Yeah. Have a great week, mm -hmm. and we will see you next time. Yeah. Let's pray. God, we do thank you again for this opportunity to be uh, together uh, out on the internet through the podcast discussing covenant. Father, so thankful for these truths that we have learned today. The battle belongs to you. Not just a song, Lord, not just words that are coming off, off a screen or, or sung by a band, but these words are truth found in your scriptures. Therefore, help us to re be reminded of the very fact that it's not our job to seek retribution against our enemies, but it is yours. Help us to rely on you. Help us to see you at work in those areas when people do come up against us in persecution. Help us to be faithful to your truth and remember that your, the battle is yours and you will take care of it because you are a just God and you deal with people justly. In your name we pray. Amen. For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at 877-234-2030.